It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the program. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn, who just tried to make me laugh before we started, and Josh Gregory. That's right. We're answering questions from fans of the show this entire episode, and we're starting with this one. What happens to a 401k loan when you retire or switch jobs? We're going to cover that and more on today's episode of Wise Money. No laughing matter there. That uh, is, I think a lot of people are in that situation given what's transpired over the past couple of years. So we're helping with that question. There's a lot of questions from fans of the show. We're going to get into that. If you have a question for us or have any needs, we are here to help. Call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyshow.com. Then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Just search the Wise Money Show. All right, so hitting on a lot of different topics. You look like you want to. Do you want to share the joke? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I, 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 no. All right. Let's uh, let's not. The dad humor needs needs to uh, stop because you said it, we're going to be serious here, and I love being serious about four hundred one k loans. Um, there, it's one of my favorite topics. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so when you what what can I do with it? If you have a four hundred one k, is do I get to take a loan against my 401k? And it's based on the plan provisions of your 401k because some 401ks do not allow for 401k loans. Mm-hmm. And some 401ks allow for just one. Some allow for multiple. And what happens is there are certain employers who say, I I am very paternalistic and I want to take care of my folks and I, I don't think it would be good for them to be able to borrow money against their retirement savings um, and and use that for current purposes. Mm-hmm. And some folks say, well, we don't care. And then there's another group who their HR department has been absolutely pummeled with loan requests. And, and you know, yeah. th- there is some fancy footwork involved because, you know, um, just to keep it simple, you can borrow half of your 401k balance up to $50,000. Yep. And the rate right now that you pay yourself back the interest is let's call it eight percent. Yeah. So I borrow fifty thousand dollars at eight percent. I'm making you know almost a thousand bucks a pay period, and I'm paying or I'm I'm paying back no five hundred. I don't know. Don't do math on the radio. That's right. But <laughs> but I'm I'm paying that back over a five year period. Yeah, five mm-hmm. years. You can't say well I. It, I'd like to pay back over 10 years or 15. I don't get that choice. So so that's a segue right into our first question from fan of the show, Erica. I took a loan from my 401k at Fidelity uh, of about $15,000. But then I later had to leave my job to stay home and take care of a sick parent. Can I? Here's the question. Can I withdraw money from my 401k to pay off the loan? How does that work? It's sort of not necessary to draw a, the money out to pay off the loan. It's essentially already done. Yeah, I mean, for most employers, when you leave your employer and you still have a 401k into a 401k loan uh, outstanding, most employers are going to force that to be uh, repaid, and it's just based on the plan documents, how their 401k was set up, um, who who the investment company is that uh, helped establish it, that sort of thing. So most of the time. If you leave your employer with the loan still outstanding, it's automatically going to be paid off. And that may not be a good thing for you. 
it's essentially like a default because you didn't stick around for that full five-year period to make payments out of every single paycheck. And uh, because of that, it's like the whole loan gets fast-forwarded at the time that you leave. Maybe they give you a little bit of time to pay it off. Maybe some employers will let you keep making the payments after you're, you're gone. But most, it's a default. And if a default happens, then it's as if you just took a distribution and the whole thing just gets paid off. Mm-hmm. Now, distribution means potentially that uh, you're taking an early withdrawal from, from that account, paying taxes and paying a 10% penalty because of this loan that got wiped out all, all in one shot. Okay, so here's my question. And Kevin, you may know you're more involved in our retirement plans department, but just a couple of questions coming to mind. If you're not all employers allow you to continue paying on the loan after you leave the your employment with them, I would mm-hmm. say that most of them don't allow you to do that. It's an administrative mm-hmm. nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't roll over your old 401k and you just leave it at your old employer, is it considered a distribution that year? even though your old 401k is there? Or do you need to roll your 401k over? It doesn't become taxable until the year you transfer it to an IRA. No, that it, it happens. Um, basically, um, I'm, I'm stalling a little bit, but I'm, I'm just going to say, think of your tax filing deadline, mm-hmm. including extensions. So you might have, depending on when you left your employer, you're going to have to pay that back. And now the the interesting question that Erica poses, though, is she says, well, can I take money out of my 401k to pay it off? And I would say, Erica, that that 15,000 is already out of your 401k. You've had possession of that money. If you have a $15,000 loan, that 15,000 is already out. Now, I don't know if you're asking, could you take more money out to pay that off? But that wouldn't really make any sense. It wouldn't matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you, you might, I mean, if you're if you're cash flow crunch time, you might need to take some money, more money out. This is kind of a vicious circle yeah. to pay the federal, state, and penalty uh, taxes. Yeah, because essentially this it's treated then as a distribution. Like Josh said, that could mean there's a penalty as well. Erica, we don't know how old you are. If you're taking care of elderly parents, you certainly might be past the age of 59 and a half. Um, and if that's the case, then it would be taxable, federal and state, but no penalty. If you're younger than 59 and a half, there would be a penalty. But you never withheld taxes on this on this loan that you took out. Mm-hmm. And therefore, when all of a sudden it is thrown on a 1099 and taxable to you, there's no withholdings against it. So even in the 20% tax bracket, you're talking three grand potentially of taxes. That's not a rounding error. Right. And that could, if you needed a loan in the first place, cash flow is tight. You left your job, take care of an elderly parent. Lots of people are in that situation, and I've, I've seen it. Cash is tight, and therefore to come up with the withholdings could be challenging. I wonder administratively, the, the fact that she's talking past tense, she already left her employer, she's been taking care of her mom, and it sounds like this loan is still intact out there. So maybe she's been making payments um, over the past months or, or years or whatever that she's been gone. I, I wonder how, how would you... Would you just have to stop making the payments and essentially choose to default? Is that what would cause the the distribution to be triggered? Yeah, I, that's that's why that's why I asked the question earlier. I'm not sure, and I wonder if it's based on plan provision uh-huh. with that as well, which is sort of you've got to understand what are the specifics that, that it, uh, of your plan. If I was in that that situation, I would be contacting the 401k provider 
and asking them some what if type questions. And if I stopped making this payment, what happens? Um, and, and most likely it would trigger a default and then all the tax ramifications that we've been talking about would, would be incurred. Here we are, it's still early in the, in the calendar year. So this uh, distribution or this default would be landing on your 2023 tax return. If, if we were having this conversation in December, maybe we would be um, you know, doing some careful tax planning to say, well, which year would you want that to occur? Yeah. Are you better off postponing into the following calendar year and uh, maybe delaying the tax that way? Yep. All right. Good question, Erica. Thanks. Uh, thanks for that. Next question comes from Dan sending an email. If I inherit a Roth IRA from my mother, can I move it all at once to my own Roth IRA? It's about 45 grand. Guys, how does it work when you inherit a retirement account from someone that's not your spouse? Well, it's almost easier to explain how you how you do it when someone is your spouse. Yeah, let's do so that. So if yeah. if you're inheriting, well, let's just say if your spouse dies, you can you have two choices. You can set up a beneficial uh, IRA or Roth IRA, or you can combine their balance into yours. Now, if it's your if it's your mother, you have to put that into a beneficial. Roth IRA, mm-hmm. and uh, basically you're the beneficiary. That those that account has to be drained over a ten year period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Secure Act 1.0. Yeah. So that's that's where you would be thinking in terms of all right, when when would I need the money, and does is my investment time horizon the same as my mother's investment time horizon? Yeah. And do I do I keep the current allocation? Do I change it? Do I have some sort of a strategy? Do I take all the money out today? Because you take it all out today mm-hmm. and pay no taxes. You could let it grow over the next 10 years, and all that growth would be tax-free. Yeah. So the short answer, Dan, is, yeah, if you're inheriting a retirement account from your from your mom, you can't turn it into your own. You can't move the money into your own IRA. But there are some planning circumstances that you want to consider. So we're going to hit that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. If I'm self-employed, own my own business, if, if, I'm, if I own an S-Corp, can I contribute to my HSA? If so, how can I do that? We're going to tackle that and more. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, go check it out. Search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, or follow us there. Rate the program as well. We appreciate it. All right, hitting nothing but questions from fans of the show. Lots of diverse content today as opposed to normally at the sort of topical direction that we take each show. The question we're tackling right now is from Dan. If I inherit an IRA, a Roth IRA from my mom, can I move it to my own Roth? It's around 45 grand. So no, you can't. If you inherit it from a spouse, yes, you have the option. And I would, I in for a Roth IRA, I wouldn't see why you wouldn't just make it your own Roth IRA. But when you're inheriting, inheriting money from a parent, you can't do that. It's got to become a beneficial Roth IRA. And as Kevin said, you're no longer just able to, well, the rules were different with Roth anyway, but you've got 10 years to empty that account. Now, do you take it all out now? Do you sprinkle it over a few years or do you wait the 10 years? I, it depends on your circumstances, mm-hmm. but my goodness, there seems to be a favorite of those choices. The Roth IRA, 
the benefit on the Roth is tax-free, tax-deferred, tax-free growth. Right. And you're not guaranteed growth over a one week, one month, one quarter, one year time period, certainly not over a 10 year time period. However, the odds are pretty strong that over a 10 year time period, that account should be worth more, should grow if you can stomach ups and downs over a 10 year time period. Therefore, and it's not taxed because it's Roth IRA. That's the key, right? We, we've always said that the longer you can keep money in a Roth IRA, the better, because any of that growth that is occurring over the long haul is tax-free. That's, that's true whether you funded that Roth IRA out of your own paycheck money uh, during your working career or you inherited it from a family member. It's still a tax-free type of an account. It still benefits from growing without being tampered with along the way. Uh, or paying taxes along the way as you earn money um, during during those years. Had a client pass away last year and left Roth a Roth IRA to uh, to her kids, and um, it was a little bit bigger than than this amount, uh, closer to a hundred thousand. And yeah, we were going to do just that. Well, do you need any money right now? Well, we did need to replace the vehicle, and we were going to use a loan. Should we use some of this? Well. You can, or you can have it, you know, continue to grow tax deferred over the long term if you're comfortable with that. And we talked through the pros and cons, and then they said, yeah, you know what? I think we want to take 25 grand out for that new vehicle. Absolutely, fine. And then the rest of it's just going to wait the 10 year time period. So I would also ask the question, uh, Dan, are you max, uh, maxing out your own Roth IRA every single year? Because if you're not, one thing that you could be doing is drawing off of this inherited account and just shifting it over as a new contribution into your, your own Roth IRA. This presumes that you're working. You have to have earned income or, or paycheck money in order to fund a Roth IRA of your own. But why would you consider maybe doing that? The, the beauty of a Roth IRA that is your own, that you funded out of your own paycheck money, is that it doesn't have that 10-year um, time horizon attached to it. That's right. The Secure Act would, it, you know, it, it doesn't force you to um, to liquidate your own account. So all that tax-free growth that we keep on talking about can stretch much longer if it's your own Roth IRA as opposed to the one you inherited from your mom. Yeah, and in the spirit of one-upsmanship, uh, <laughs> you could bring you, it. You could, you could do the same thing with your. You, you could pull the money out of the Roth IRA and put it into your Roth 401k at work. Yeah. So if you're if you're putting let's just say Dan is 50 plus so he could put $30,000 into his 401k this year. And he's only putting 10 in. Well, in in just a couple of years he could drain the Roth IRA he inherited from mother and put that those dollars into yep. his his 401k. Now you say well it, is that a, like a direct transfer? No, nope. no. It's just just think you got one pair of pants in a bunch of different pockets, and you're pulling out of one pocket, sticking it in another, and then taking it out of a different pocket to get it into the four hundred one k. So, increasing how much is coming out of your paycheck. So now your paycheck goes down, but then supplementing that with a withdrawal from the inherited Roth. That's essentially how you mm-hmm. would do it. What mm-hmm. what else is on your mind? It Josh? was more of a question, or maybe you guys can confirm. Help me get this straight in my head. Even with an inherited Roth IRA, the five-year rule still applies, correct? So in other words, if, if mom didn't have this account open at least five years, is it just the contributions that can come out right away, 
and the earnings have to to wait until the five year mark is hit. I would I would assume that you're right. I don't have that detail right on the tip of my tongue. Okay. So yeah, that's something. I, if 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 mom didn't, then you're gonna want to take a look at that mm-hmm. at, at that law and make sure. So. All right, good question. Next question comes from Jonathan. Since S-Corp owners can take profit distributions from their S-Corp, subject to both federal and state taxes, but those profit distributions are not subject to FICA tax, Medicare taxes, can I just fund my HSA personally this way? Fed and state taxes would be deductible um, on the personal tax return. So essentially, here's what Jonathan is saying. When you are a greater than 2% owner in an mm-hmm. S-Corp, people's rule that they, HSA rule that they love to hate is when we tell S-Corp owners, hey, it looks like you're contributing to your HSA right out of your paycheck that you're paying yourself. Technically, you're not allowed to do that because you're a greater than 2% owner in an S-Corp. And typically, we get responses, well, I've been doing it all along. No one ever told me that. That's mean. <laughs> I don't like that rule. You know, you're you're wrong. You're a bad guy. But that's how the rule is written. And so Jonathan's saying, well, wait a second. I I essentially could accomplish the same thing by using a profit distribution or a draw or a dividend from my HSA and paying that out to me personally. The profits are going to fall on my tax return anyway. Mm-hmm. And then I can use that money to fund my HSA and then get that deduction on my federal and state return. Jonathan. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 100%. I don't know if that's why they made this restriction anyway. I'm I'm not sure. Basically, if you're a 2% uh, owner of an S-Corp or greater, then you really only have the one option for funding your HSA. And it is as an after-tax contribution, um, a a pre-tax contribution, rather, um, on your tax return. That's where you're going to get the deduction. Unlike uh, maybe the employees that work for you who have a second option, and that is to fund it out of their paycheck. And they get some extra tax savings because of it. So we, we love that option, but unfortunately, as an S-Corp owner, you, you don't have that choice. It doesn't really matter whether or not you're taking dollars that you received in a paycheck, received as a dividend distribution, or money you had just lying around. You're going to make that contribution to the HSA and take the deduction on the tax return. You could take a Roth IRA that you inherited from your mother <laughs> and right. do that. Yeah. I, so of the two choices for for normal for employees that are not uh, an owner of an S corp two percent or greater, given the choice, I, I like we like funding directly out of your paycheck because you're saving federal, state, and FICA taxes right away. Right. But but that choice does not exist for. The only thing that the only argument I've heard against that, because if you are doing that, if you're putting, you know, 7,700, whatever the number is into fully funding an HSA and you're saving 6.2%, that's, you know, say call it 500 bucks. So you're saving 500 bucks. Now your social security earnings statement is going to reflect your income minus that 7,700 bucks because it doesn't even... Mm-hmm. show up it, mm-hmm. it doesn't it, it it's it's as if it never happened i've seen some people get pretty upset they didn't realize that's how it works and then i try to explain how social security is calculated and they get more <laughs> upset <laughs> like listen it's not going to make a difference oh, it's not going to make a material yeah, difference exactly it's all so, very upsetting but i i think that would be oh gosh here i'm going to use that uh f word again fair i think it's 
appropriate to think, well, if I'm getting, if I'm contributing to my HSA directly out of my paycheck and I'm, I'm not paying FICA on that money, then therefore that earnings, those earnings shouldn't be calculated in my social security benefit. But yeah, most, most people aren't aware of that. So, but Jonathan, he nailed it. I mean, essentially this is a backwards way of receiving that exact same benefit that would be available to it, to employees. So that's, that's precisely what, what you would do. Make sure that HSA is open, right? And then make sure that you fund it for the correct year. We've, you've got up until April 18th this year to max out and fund your HSA for last year and have it benefit your tax return this year. So make sure that you do that. But great point. Great question, Jonathan. All right. If your company has a 401k but doesn't offer a match, should you use it? We've got that question more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. If you're if you have a 401k at your job but there's no company match, do you get mad at your employer? Should you use it? Should you use something else? We're helping with that and more right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel, including a lot of other content. So go there, check it out. Go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it there, and yeah, turn on those notifications every time so that you're made aware every time we drop new content, drop a lot of content there. So, all right. Question actually comes from YouTube, the YouTube audience. My employer has a 401k, but they don't offer a company match. Should I still use it or should I focus on the Roth IRA instead? My goodness, there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, that's a great question. For most people, their most powerful wealth building tool that they'll have in their entire lifetime is their retirement plan at work. And the nice thing about the retirement plan at work is if you set it up and get contributing, it automatically just starts filling up that bucket that you need. Yeah. And I, I, I like a Roth IRA because really you have two things that you can do. You can do a retirement plan through work and you can do a Roth IRA and the contribution limits are based on your age and some other things. But I, I like the, uh, the Roth IRA and funding that first because that is going to build maximum flexibility into my situation. In theory, I can access the basis of my Roth IRA at any time. So if I put the money in today, I can pull it back out tomorrow. That wouldn't be the intention or really the purpose of a Roth IRA, but that is something that you could do. And so you kind of max out your, your flexibility there. Yeah. I, I want to emphasize one of the words that Kevin slipped in there, and that was the word automatic. That is the beauty of a retirement plan at work, whether you're getting a match or not. The fact that you can turn it on, you know, day one, as soon as you're eligible and you've got paycheck money roll, rolling in, your employer could be withholding dollars for your long-term goal like retirement, and it can just keep on rolling. And my hope is that you'll get it set at the right level and then forget about it. You get used to just living on that take-home paycheck, mm-hmm. and and that's that's the beauty. You know, make one decision, and the more of your financial life that can be automated from that decision point on, the implementation is carried out for you, and you don't have to think about it. That is where so many people get awesome success. Now, you can replicate that to a certain degree with a Roth IRA as well. You could set up a, a Roth account and then automatically have your bank send money once a month to that account. 
The, the issue would be, or the question I would ask is, which one are you more likely to mess with? Right. Which one are you more likely to turn off at some point along the way? And um, if it's less likely to be the 401k, then I would maybe err that direction. But especially um, if you also have a Roth 401k um, option available. You know, if, if we're comparing traditional 401k versus Roth IRA, these are two different animals entirely from a tax standpoint. And you also have to pay attention to your your tax picture. Which one makes the most sense based on your unique tax tax uh, situation. It's just easier to make the contribution right out of your paycheck. You know, I I have, we automatically fund 529 plans, happens on the 15th of every month, comes right out of the bank account. I automatically fund Roth IRAs, happens to be also on the 15th of the month. And that is tricky with budgeting. We try to keep afloat. And, and I'm saying all of this, not because I want to tell you what I'm doing, but because this is the same advice that we give our clients. And I would hope that your CFP is giving to you as well. And so it doesn't create a cash flow change, but I guess I would tell you I'm aware of the 15th of the month because I know there's a chunk coming out of the bank account versus if it's just coming out of the paycheck, I, I budget off of that. So it's just easier. Um, I, there's a couple of things that we haven't hit yet. And one is what's your income level? Mm -hmm. If your household right. income level is too high, the Roth IRA is not an option for you. Mm -hmm. And and is there an in, can you make too much money and not be able to fund a Roth 401k? No. No. Just so so there is an income limit to being able to fund a an an actual Roth IRA. And so you've got to be aware of that. How much do you want to fund? If you're thinking, well, I yeah, I want to put 10% of my income in there and you make 100 grand, well, you can put 10 grand in your Roth 401k. You can only put, you know, 6500 6, bucks mm -hmm. in your your Roth IRA. So, there's a lot of factors you need to consider. What I think people focus on is I'm not getting a company match. Mm -hmm. And I can't I, you guys you tell me if you haven't seen this, but people tend to get mad. They're like, "Well, why would I save into that thing? I'm not even getting a match." It's like it's your retirement. That's right. I understand where those emotions come from. Some employers offer a match. I'm, I'm trusting you work for a great employer. There's other perks. There's other reasons why, you know, you, you've got a fantastic job. If they don't offer a, a company match, employer match. That's okay. It's still your retirement. Yeah. If, if uh, you know, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. If there's, you know, there used to be car rebates that you could find. I don't know. Maybe we'll get back there. But if you need a vehicle and they don't offer a rebate, are you just, oh, well, I'm going to walk instead. Uh, yeah. No, you need a car, right? So yeah. you you want to retire. You want to have that financial freedom so that if you're ready to retire someday or you have an illness or a family member has an illness, you need to step away from that paycheck, you've got something to fall back on. So I would I would encourage you, even if it's just for a little bit, uh, reduce any animosity or anger or frustration if your employer doesn't offer a match or, or you feel like it's not a great match. Fund that retirement aggressively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is confusing though because if especially if you're playing the compare game at all. So if you talk to someone who uh, is employed at one of the smaller private colleges in town yeah. and you learn what the match is there and you say, "Well, they, they've got this incredible match and I've got nothing." Like what what a ripoff. Well, it the 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 retirement plan that your employer offers is a good deal no matter what the provisions are because you need to get money growing 
tax deferred, whether it's after-tax money that grows tax-free forever, which would be the Roth in the in the 401k, or it's before-tax money. Tax deferral is your friend, mm-hmm. and it's a very powerful way to grow your uh, retirement dollars. I'll throw one more consideration in there, and this one might be um, a, a question for you to ponder with your certified financial planner, and that is, Given these two options, say you've got a Roth 401k and a Roth IRA, does one of them have just better investment options? That was available, going to be the last right? thing that I share as well. I mean, it really gets down to brass tacks because if you're if your income if you're not going to be phased out from an income standpoint, and your contribution that you were planning on making is going to be within the limits of both, and you have fantastic budgeting skills, so whether it comes out of your paycheck or comes out of the bank account automatically doesn't matter then it ultimately it's going to get down to, all right, what are your investment strategies? Mm-hmm. And you're limited within a 401k. Even the most robust 401k out there with maybe dozens of mutual funds for you to select from, it's not thousands, right? It's not the whole world to choose from. And a Roth IRA, especially if you're opening up a brokerage type of a vehicle where you can buy and sell almost anything under the sun inside mm-hmm. of that account, you just have some extra flexibility to consider. Now, that sort of depends. You mentioned this is something to consider with your CFP. I completely agree because without a CFP, there could be some protections in using the 401k and just the investments limits. You'll be less likely to throw all of that money in the grayscale Bitcoin ETF or and take some outsized risk. You'll be less likely to buy Tesla stock at its peak. Mm-hmm. Or you know what I mean? So or, or be speculative. I guess is what I'm saying. Some of you are hearing that and saying, "Well, that's investing, right?" No speculation. I, I would I would make a distinction there. That's speculation. Betting um, all the dollars on 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 one pony. Um, within your 401k, it drives your financial planner crazy because they limit the investment choices available to you. So it's very hard for your CFP to help you build a truly robust and diversified investment strategy. Investment mix drives us crazy, which is one of the reasons why I love our retirement plans department, because we're ensuring that that, that, that that's not going to be the case. You're going to have great funds available in all the, you know, a variety of areas so that you can have a diversified mix. But within your, within your 401k that you have, you might not have that. And but uh, but it might protect you. You might want to use a target date fund, even though I don't love those or something, because it might prevent you from gambling too much or, or taking too much speculative risk. So, um, OK, the other thing, I guess, lastly, and I th- w- wouldn't be recommending this, the IRA, the Roth IRA has certain you're able to get the money back out that you contributed at any time with no tax or penalty can't really do that with your 401k. They're making lots of changes, making it very, very confusing, but you have more access to your Roth IRA. So that should be a consideration. On the flip side though, 401ks, there's loans, there's other things. So you've got to weigh all of that in this decision. You thought it was easy, but we can make it really complex. Work with your CFP on that. All right, we've got more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel. A lot of other content there as well. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then certainly wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there as well. Just search the Wise Money Show. All right, hitting questions from fans of the show. We get questions 
all the time from all of those sources and, 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 and various others. So if you have a question, have any needs, we're here to help. You can reach out to us, any one of those mediums. Next question here uh, comes from the YouTube channel. Is there a way to escalate my HSA contributions to fully fund it earlier in the year versus having to withdraw the same amount evenly through payroll uh, contributions all the way from January through December? Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. A absolutely. And there, there's a variety of reasons why you may want to escalate it. Um, one of those is you've got medical expenses that you know are upcoming. Right. So you want to throw the money in quickly so then you can use it for medical expenses. The flexible spending account, the FSA, that one has to come out evenly each paycheck. But if you have a medical expense that comes up before you've contributed that much, it's on your employer. Like they, mm -hmm. they still, they've got to give you the money. Yep. HSA doesn't work like that. It's, it's user or it's not user lose it. This is your money. So if you have a big medical expense upcoming earlier in the year, you, you may want to fund it early. But the other, if you've converted, if you've shifted your paradigm, your thinking on the HSA and say, this is a retirement vehicle as opposed to a present financial position vehicle, then three out of every four years, the market's positive. That's what history says. That's not me you know, speculating about the future. That's what history has told us. And therefore, you might want to get that money in, your full contribution in as early as possible in the year so you have as much tax-deferred growth as, as possible. Yeah, I, you know, when you're talking about your personal financial life, you, you really, it's not, you don't need an operating system, you need a system of operating systems. So how do I approach my HSA? You could say, put 100% of my paycheck in the HSA until you hit the max and then it stops. There's two ways to get money into an HSA. One is to write a check to your account. The other is to do it via payroll deduction. Payroll deduction it saves you a layer of taxes that just writing the check doesn't. So that's where it could be preferable. But I would encourage you, I, 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 again, it, with the exceptions of the reasons that Mike gave, I would encourage you to just set it and forget it with that bad boy. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, you have to... So if you if you cranked up your contributions, got the max in, and then the, your payroll department should stop those contributions when you get to the right number, um, you're going to have to do it again the following year. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's amazing how quickly a year goes and how easily it is, how easy it is to forget. Uh, hey, oh shoot, I didn't restart my contributions. Oh, what do I do? So, or yeah. another one that sometimes gets forgotten is. Every time Congress or the IRS increase the max contribution limit, you may have set it for the old limits, and now you're coming up just a little bit short of maxing it out each year. So you still have to pay attention along the way, but you know you brought up the payroll department. At some level, you're kind of at the mercy of the payroll department as well. You know, if they have some sort of um, kind of internal rules that prevent you from making significant or, or frequent changes to your, your withholdings. You, you may just not make real good friends, I guess, with, <laughs> with them if uh, you're changing it too often. But the only other uh, warning I guess I would throw out there is if, if you were trying to max it out early out of your paycheck, be aware that your eligibility to contribute to the HSA potentially could change partway through the year as well. You know, what if you leave that employer and your next employer doesn't have an HSA plan available? 
you funded the whole thing, but you were only eligible for half the year, let's say. Um, you may have to do some backing money, you know, back out um, down the road. Yeah. And that, that could be tricky if you've already spent the money, for example. Right. But at the same time, if it's already... So I was going to share that as well as sort of the the reason to consider not max funding right away at the beginning of the year or overfunding right at the beginning of the year, because yeah, things change. You know, you could, your employer could change. You might have a health change. You know, who who knows? So be aware of those risks. But absolutely, the short answer is, yeah, you can fund it early in the year and uh, escalate your contributions that way. You don't need to do it evenly throughout every paycheck. All right, next question here from Martin. Hey, Mike, could you please help our company with this question? I purchased a piece of equipment in January of 23. We wanted to buy it in 22 for that tax year, but we just couldn't find it. It just wasn't available. Is there a way to claim that equipment in 22 t- on my 22 taxes, even though I didn't buy it until January of 2023? Thank you. Yeah, un- unfortunately, um, a-, a lot of business owners, especially as we get into December each year, and um, they're they're trying to make decisions on big equipment purchases, maybe a new vehicle or or some sort of machinery or whatever. Uh, whether or not that's going to be a tax deduction for you on your tax return, it all boils down to when did it actually get put into service. Mm-hmm. And so you you could be buying the machinery and it's on a a train on its way to your shop and doesn't arrive until the following calendar year. And unfortunately, you, you spent that money and you really aren't going to get a, a tax benefit out of it. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, Martin, in your situation, uh, it sounds like that equipment is going to be a potential tax savings to you in 2023, but not going backwards into 2022. And that can be frustrating because the cash, you've you've had the cash outlay but you don't receive the the benefit, the tax offset for a while. I, yeah, I wish this was the case. And I feel like we get this question from time to time with business owners, when should I make a purchase? But I feel like this is a more recent phenomenon of, okay, I've decided to make the purchase and I just couldn't even find it. Thanks to supply chain issues, labor shortages, whatever, I just couldn't find it. So I had every intention, but it didn't happen. And right. unfortunately, the IRS isn't, too keen on what intentions are. So, you know, there may be a number of business owners, though, that, you know, here as we're wrapping up tax season and and so on, uh, they're making decisions on what do I do with my tax write-offs from last year. You know, those who got that piece of machinery into service in December, let's say, they're going to need to make a decision with their certified financial planner and their CPA working together to decide, hey, should we write that thing off slowly over time? which is kind of the default, the the normal um, plan is that you're going to take a little bit of expense over the life of that, of that asset, of that piece of equipment. And so it's giving you some tax savings over many tax years, potentially. But there are certain uh, tax rules that allow you to write it all off in one year, potentially, mm-hmm. or accelerate the depreciation. And so this is where, you know, business owners, you have the ability to do some extra tax planning even after the fact, but it all boils down to was that piece of machinery in place um, as Martin was asking. Yeah. I'm going to sneak a tax question in here because I, I want to make sure we hit it during tax season. It's coming from Jason sent an email, which essentially is reaching out to us on the website, wisemoneyshow.com, and then submitting a question that way. It turns into an email. Can you tell me how winnings from sports gambling is taxed? And I just you can remove the word sports there, even though I know that's a big thing. How are gambling winnings taxed? 
It, do you have to win a certain amount? What's the tax percentage? So, yeah, the, the, the bad news is your winnings are taxable. Your, your winnings are taxable. And I believe at casinos, and I'm not sure about the, the sports books and online, whatever, if it's above a certain amount, they, they, give you, they issue you a tax form. But at a casino, if it's above a certain amount, they, they issue you a tax, a tax form. They see how much you want to withhold. But your winnings are taxable. Are your losses tax deductible? And go ahead. Kevin. Yes. On your Schedule A. Right. Which most people are wondering, what are you talking about? Because we don't use it anymore because the standard deduction is so high. So gamblers, yeah. If you win, it feels like a penalty. And yeah. if you lose, there's not as this, much offset. This benefit. is one of the bummers when it comes to gambling winnings. It's not like stock market winnings where if you had some gains and you had some losses, those two offset each other, and it's the net amount that lands on your, your tax return. Nope, gambling is going to be counted as income, and maybe if you're fortunate uh, or if you're lucky, you'll right. get to write off uh, some of the losses as well. Very good. And I So at what rate? It's ordinary income. It's going to land on your tax return and just be part of your ordinary income. So could be at the 12% rate, could be at 22% rate, not sure your own tax, tax situation. But this is where if you do a decent amount of gambling, you need to be doing the proactive tax planning work that comes with it so that you can avoid surprises and make sure you're capturing opportunities. So great question, Jason. All right. Great questions, everyone. I, I hope uh, I hope that was helpful. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group probably wouldn't mention it just so we can be nimble but can we be quick <laughs> can we jump, jump over, over a candlestick securities offered through silver oak securities member finra slash sipc advisory services offered through kfg wealth management llc doing business as corhorn financial group kfg wealth management llc and silver oak securities incorporated companies are unaffiliated